Yellow. Oh, hello. Ah. Uh, we're back. And we are back. Episode 95. For your regularly scheduled podcast. Uh, I was talking with the dudes the other night, and it is weird how much we have done in the last couple of years. Both this and that podcast are, like, nearing 100. Yeah. It's kind of stupid. (laughs) It's crazy. We've been at this for a while. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's cool. It's an accomplishment. It's nice to reflect every now and then that you've been at this for long enough. I mean, 100 episodes of anything is a lot. 100 episodes of a TV show is enough that you get syndicated and you have a big party and the cake has a 100 on it. Syndicate us. Yeah, we're never getting... Syndicate us, baby! I don't think there's anything like that for podcasting. But still, it's a big accomplishment. I mean, it's already replayable whenever you want to replay it. Right. Um, Yeah. So, I don't know. It's kind of cool to reflect on having done that much of this. Like, 100 of anything is not easy. It's higher than I can count. Mm, All right. It's higher than I'd like to count. Right. Let's put it that way. Do you remember the Mr. Show sketch about, like, it was like 15 is the highest number. Do you remember that? No. It was like this stupid thing of, like, these guys all hanging around a shop and, like, the boss is there. They're kind of like... I don't know. It's like like a it's like an Italian restaurant or something like that. And there's the <laughs> boss there and all the guys and he's going, "Listen, 15's the highest number." I don't know if it was 15. 15's the highest number. That's it. That's all there is. And they're going, "Yeah, you know, there's one and two and three. And they go, and the other guy goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." They keep counting and they go, "There's 15." And, well, there's there's 16. And they go, <gasps> "Like it's a revelation to them." What a weird sketch idea. It's so They're dumb. so weird. I, Mr. Show did stuff that <clears throat> probably wouldn't get done in a Tim lot of Tim and places. Eric in Mr. Show. Yeah. Like, were very formative for you. Yep. And I, they were not formative for me. <laughs> I did not watch them until much later. Yeah. I have a love for the absurd. You do. Hey, I thought of a nickname for I us today. I blame them. A nickname for us? Yeah. For you and I? Yeah. Okay. The Goosome Twosome. (laughs) Okay. What do you think? Uh, (laughs) It's not too bad. uh, There's two of us. We do this goose thing. (laughs) Whatever. I'll I'll, I'll workshop it. Workshop it. (laughs) The Goosome. The Goosome Twosome. Twosome. Yeah, I thought of it today. Okay. So let's, let's do an exercise. Imagine... Imagine that Yeah. That you're you. That's easy. And I'm me. That's easy too. And you did not come up with the idea the goosome twosome. Okay. But I came up with the idea the goosome twosome. Are you trying to say this is shitty and for me to experience you thinking it's shitty? I'm just saying if I would have had the idea, would you still like it? Yeah. Are you sure of that? Yeah. Because totally. this seems like precisely the kind of thing, if I said it, you'd roll your eyes and pretend it's it just my I head get off. It. You hate it. Let's move on. <laughs> I think it's silly. Mm. I don't hate it. I just think that you would hate it if I said it first. <laughs> Disagree. Okay. Well, all right then. Then I take it back. I love it. Okay. Goosem doosem. 
The shirts are forthcoming. <laughs> yeah, we said something about this last time. I don't know if yes. we're going to actually get to making some shirts or not, but that is... Uh, we got to design them. Yeah. We have to. It's on the list of things to do. Yeah, there's always a list. Um, I was going to say something else, but then I forgot what it was. Something else about the podcast. Oh, oh we are thinking about, and it's not official, we haven't really thought hard about it, but yeah. maybe changing the day that we... Do the podcast. Yeah, right. So instead of you getting it late on Wednesdays, it might be <laughs> like uh, early on Sundays or late on Saturdays or who knows what. We, we haven't figured it out yet. But, Even Mondays. So Wednesdays was a day that worked for us a lot of the time in the past because we always knew we were going to be here together on, on Wednesdays. And I, I didn't live, live here. here. And, and then at the time I had a different job and I requested that night off and right. it just worked. But... Everything about that situation has totally changed. Right, I yeah. live here now, so I'm more available. I don't have that job and job have different. not requested that night off. Yeah, right. Those things make <clears> it so, you know, not that, not that, I don't know if people listening care that much if they just get used to a different day, but it might be a different day in the near future. Here's the thing. If it's a day other than Wednesday... But you like listening to it on Wednesdays. You can still listen to it on Wednesdays. <laughs> you just shift back a half a week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You see, so it come out on barely affects you. You see, it come out on Saturday, and you go, "Oh boy, I can't, can't wait till wait Wednesday." Can't wait for Wednesday <laughs> so I can listen to this. <laughs> so ah, yeah. Uh, that's a thought. We'll let you guys know. Right. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Um, last night was the Democratic debate. Oh, yeah. Did you end up watching that today? I did. I watched, well, I guess I kind of listened to it because I had it on while I worked, but I listened <laughs> to it basically twice in its entirety mm. Um, in an attempt to pick up anything interesting. And you know what? There wasn't that much. The so you had a really hard time finding a place to rewatch it. Well, last night, you know, like right after it uh, <clears throat> you know, had finished, there was no easily available place to find it. I ended up finding it on uh, CNN's website. Like right. today, like easier than I thought I would, because um, they posted it at like two forty seven in the morning or something like that. Once they had finished cutting it up and all that. Yeah. Um, the most annoying thing right now, and I think this is bothering a lot of people who are like trying to like decide on who to vote in the, for in the Democratic primary, mm -hmm. is there's this new scuffle happening where like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are fighting. And it's making everyone real sad. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> did you hear about this? It's like the parents are fighting. Something <clears throat> about a comment he made about w a, the woman can't be or won't be president or something. Or y yeah. So sh her camp and herself <clears throat> are alleging that in 2015, he told her he didn't believe that a woman could win the presidency. Um, and now he denies saying that. And I think he probably did. I think it's really <clears throat> bad optics for him to have said it. And I bet he probably, if if he said it, he probably said it for like the, you know, Here's like out of thing. a place There's of concern. There's a whole lot of context missing. Yeah, we don't from really that. know what that conversation. It could have like. been specifically related to the fact that the only woman running at the time was Hillary Clinton. Right. And what he really meant was sure. Hillary's not going to win. But right. what came out was a woman's not going to win. And it became more generalized than maybe what he intended. Or, or maybe he meant a woman can't win the presidency. Yeah, like we or, can't know. But also maybe he did mean that. But maybe it was uh, because 
of like societal things. He felt yeah. like society wouldn't choose to do that, well, but not his personal feelings. There's so much missing from that. A woman running against Trump is an especially <clears throat> awful scenario because he's yeah. a bully and a pig, and he's absolutely all these worst things about men. Yeah, which are kind of hard to, which have been all the rage lately. <laughs> It's super in vogue to be a fat, stupid pig. Um, anyway, yeah, maybe that's what that meant. Who knows? But so the crazy <laughs> thing on the debate stage is like they asked Bernie about this. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says he never said it, which I don't believe. Mm. And he says he never believed it, which I am not sure I b- believe. And he said, you know, um, anyone who knows me knows and can see, you know, like I, you know, uh, I've supported, you know, women. And I, I, you know, gave my endorsement to Hillary and. I think the big thing they said was that, uh, you know, Hillary did win by like three million votes, which is true technically in the popular vote sense. So he says all this, right? Mm-hmm. They say, they, they say, just for clarity, you're saying you didn't say that. And he says, yes. And then they go to Elizabeth Warren and they say, so how did you feel when Bernie said that? <laughs> right after, like right after that, to the point where there was a, like a chuckle in the room because it's like, oh, OK, so you're going to play it that way. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, it's making a lot of people feel real bad. Those two shouldn't Mom be Mom and dad are fighting. That's what people are saying. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing, though. I We like to think of this right now as like a united front. They're on the same side. Yeah, right. But they're in competition they with are each not. other. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they they're are fighting. Absolutely fighting. Yeah. And... and Get fucking used to it, because from here on out, the debates are going to be more uncomfortable because it's getting down to the the point where we're going to have to make some actual decisions. You know what it's kind of like? Remember on Survivor how there were alliances? Yeah. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, no, we have an alliance. We're going to play together and we're going to beat everyone else. And then it's always a point of betrayal. Always get stabbed in the back. It's too brute. Mm -hmm. There's always that moment. Uh, I think we've yeah. crossed the line here. And then Julius Caesar dies. Oh, another thing. The end of the debate, when it had ended, and mm-hmm. everyone's walking away from their podiums, <clears throat> there's a much-talked-about moment between uh, uh, Warren and Sanders where Elizabeth Warren walks over to Bernie, and he instinctively kind of puts his hand out. And she pulls her hands in and folds them and says something very serious to him. And he's his hands are out like sort of like almost defensively and you know they're talking back and forth and he points at her and he points at himself or whatever and then he just turns away so whatever happened in that moment <laughs> was unpleasant weird <laughs> i don't like it weird i sort of do feel like it was like it had to be one of those things like i don't appreciate you lying about what you definitely said to me and then just i'm sorry we can talk about it another time yeah Weird. Oof. <clears throat> Feels bad, man. <laughs> I'm yeah. feeling the burn of... It's like a bad burn. It's like acid reflux. I'm feeling that kind of burn. All right. <laughs> I was thinking of a place to go with that joke-wise, and I wasn't coming up with anything good. Sorry. <sighs> Dead air. Leaving me hanging. I was trying. <laughs> My brain is tired. It's all right. I did lots of working. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but anyway, yeah, that's the big thing that just happened the other day. All right. I don't know if there's a lot of news to catch up on. There's not a lot of things nah. to talk about here. 
Have I mentioned on here that I got a cricket? I might have mentioned it last episode. I don't know. You might have. Because I think we kind of talked about the, the idea of making yeah, the, yeah, some yes, of those shirts yes, and yes. stuff. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> put a little pepper on it. Just put a little pepper on it. And a little pepper on it. Just a little bit of pepper on it. <laughs> Some people know what that is. If people haven't been watching Letterkenny, they should, should be, be watching Letterkenny. They should be watching Letterkenny. But yeah. I did get a cricket, and I am obsessed with it, and I just keep making little <laughs> penis stickers to put on things. And that's all you need to know. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but the penis stickers <laughs> have been consistent. A uh, thirteen-year-old boy. Yes, I am a thirteen-year-old boy. boy. So the the funniest thing that happened w- in regards to that was we brought it home and you got a better look at it. Yeah. And it had decals on it that were made with a cricket. Yeah. That the original owner had put on there, and you're like, oh, she put like a little design on there, and I was like. Oh yeah, I'm totally taking that off and replacing it with penises. Yeah, right. So far, you and haven't. But. I haven't done it yet, but I plan to. And your reaction was like, "You are a 13 year old boy." And it's I was like, so "I've been clear. saying this for years." Drawing dicks all over everything is a 13 year old boy's exclusive domain. Actually, I take it back. I kind of think I did that until like through college. It's not exclusive. <laughs> Almost every woman I know <clears throat> has enjoyed at least one point in her life doodling some dicks. Are you serious? Yeah. I thought that was definitely a do thing. No, it's just they're easy to draw, and <laughs> vaginas aren't that fun to draw. Yeah. Or vulva, I guess. Aren't yeah, that fun vulva to draw. is the better way to put that, yeah. Can I mansplain lady genitals to you for a minute? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I will. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Okay. It, it was a bigger response than is needed for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, lady genitals. Lorena Bobbitsplain. Bobbitsplain? Lorena Bobbitsplain. What is that? What is that? Get your dick <laughs> That's what? what I didn't originally say it because it's like that's a big leap. <laughs> oh, yeah, <it's, laughs> to there. Yeah, but, but just why? But I decided to anyway. Wait, so bob explaining is when you cut someone's you dick off. You just cut a you... dick off. Okay, you don't even bother explaining. You just cut their <laughs> you dick off. You just cut their dick off. All right, and then throw in a cornfield. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Another letter, Kenny reference. Um, we're addicted. Uh. I'm not saying it's ever okay to cut someone's dick off, but uh, her husband was a real manipulative, abusive son of a bitch. Yeah, it's never okay to cut someone's dick Don't off. Don't cut someone's dick off. Like if I think it's okay to cut someone's dick off in self-defense. Like, if they're charging at you with that dick. <laughs> with their dick? Yeah, like it's a weapon. I think it's okay. <laughs> and the only way out, or your best option to get out is to cut their dick off. Yeah. Absolutely cut that dick off. Yeah. If someone's, At 100%. If someone is using their dick as a weapon on you, it's okay to cut it off. That's the that's the that's the Dave Bergowski <laughs> well, we don't promise. know that we don't know that he wasn't. So Well, no, we let's do. Leave in it that there. in that moment he was not. <laughs> he we was know asleep. This? Oh, it was asleep true. when she got He could have been sleep off. using his dick as a weapon. I don't think it's quite how that works. Mm. Okay. That dude ended up making out fine, though. They ended oh, up yeah. sewing a dick sewed on him, his, maybe his own dick. They sewed I his, think it. And then he got. I a, don't think they just sew a random he, dick on him. I don't know. You never know. Maybe they find a dick and they go, well, he could use it. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. And then they made Slightly a, different color, made a but porno that's movie okay. with them, too, which is weird. That's right. Yeah, it was like a Franken dick, and they made like a movie about Ugh. it. 
dislike. I've never seen it. Dislike. I kind of want to know what it looks like. <laughs> Just stitched on there like Frankenstein. It probably doesn't look that bad. Yeah, probably not. But you got to wonder. Do we? I do wonder. Do we have to wonder? Do you not wonder? I wonder a little bit. Yeah, see? You know what I'm talking about. All right. Later, hey. we're going to look up that dick. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> In the meanwhile, would you like to play a game? Yeah. I mean, if we're not going to look at a dick right now, I guess I could go for a game. Right. Game now, dick later. All right. I uh, propose we... That's what she said? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> I propose we play a game called Truths and News. All right. You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to mean. It's time for Truths and News. Time to play Truths and News. Everyone's playing, everyone's playing our famous game, famous game, the game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for Truths and News. A Merv Griffin production. <clears throat> this is like, I feel like it's my eighth week in a row doing Trues and Flues. I don't know why. Well, you did, um, <coughs> last, did last week. week. Yeah, but I feel like I've done a lot of them for some reason. You haven't. Uh, are you sure about that? Yep. You sure about that? Yep. All right. Would you like to know how the game is played? I would fucking love that. I would love to tell you. Trues and Fuse is a game, a classic game, that news game, the game that's taking the internet by storm, in which I present you three stories, two true stories, and one false story. You have to decide. Nope, two false stories and one true story. You have to decide which of these false stories is false and the true stories is true. That's the truth or the news. That was pretty good. Not yeah. as good as last time. No. You faltered oh. a little bit. I know. I stumbled. Also, you got some mad eyebrow action when you do that. Do, do you that know that you waggle, waggle your eyebrows a lot? <laughs> It's because I'm so passionate about lies. Um, That's so. not a red flag. <laughs> Sorry. You ready to play? I am very ready. All right. Here we go. Story number one. A man in New Brunswick, Canada, recently live streamed a 102 kilometer run to his fiance from Fredericton to Woodstock, where he proposed to her at the end. However, at the end of the run, he realized he had forgotten the ring. <sighs> All right. Story number two. Summerall, Mississippi, recently attempted to deal with a widespread infestation of the black racer snake by introducing a population of chicken snakes. But in the end, the two never fought, so there's just twice as many snakes. <clears throat> All right. Story number three. A stolen New Zealand therapy goat named Peaches was found and returned to its home recently where it resumed its work. Cheering up a depressed cow named Bunter. Okay. <laughs> Repeat, please. All right. Let's hear it one more time. Story number one. A man in New Brunswick, Canada, recently live-streamed a 102-kilometer run to his fiance from Fredericton to Woodstock, where he proposed to her at the end. However, at the end of the run, he realized he had <laughs> forgotten the ring. Number two. Summerall, Mississippi, recently attempted to deal with a widespread infestation of black racer snakes by introducing a population of chicken snakes. But in the end, the two never fought, so there's just twice as many snakes. All right. Number three. A stolen New Zealand therapy goat named Peaches was found and returned to its home recently, where it resumed its work, cheering up a depressed cow named Bunter. 
All right. <clears throat> okay. Okay. I, th- I think I have some ideas here. All right. Um. First one, he would run a thousand miles and then run back for the ring. <laughs> nice. And then also that made me think, so those guys that did that song. The Proclaimers. They're British, right? No, I thought they Irish? were I thought they were Irish. But still, they use a metric system there, right? Yeah. So why did they sing a thousand miles? That's a great question. Oh, do you think they were specifically aiming for an American audience? Well, kilometers has four syllables. <clears throat> miles has one. I think it was a choice of expediency and poetry. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree. Do you really not? No, I, do. I, was I do. Say, that's such a good explanation. <laughs> no, that is a good explanation. <laughs> I agree. So God, the I second, was really just bummed out there. Like, come on. <laughs> the second one is um, snack versus snack. Snack, snack versus snack. Yes, snack versus snack. Well, I did, but S N A K versus S N E K. Because they're two different kinds of snacks. Snack? It's snake without the E. Okay. It's not that <laughs> it's not that complicated. Alright. It's it's like spy versus spy, but with two kinds of snakes. Okay. Um, the last one is Peaches and Bunter. Power couple. <laughs> power couple. Power couple. I think, think? I want that to be the real one. I'm going with three. Going with Peaches and Bunter, the therapy yes. goat? I believe in therapy goats, and I believe in therapy goats that cheer up cows. Happy cows make happy... What is it? What's the commercial? Milk? I don't know. It's the <laughs> happy cheese, maybe? I don't know. Happy cows are good, is okay. what I've learned. Um, You are correct. <clears throat> yes. This actually happened in New Zealand. A, uh, the idea was that the cow in question had at least another cow that they owned, and that cow died, and the cow just started being sad and weird. Yeah. So they tried to introduce other animals to it. They introduced Peaches the goat, and it seemed to really be good for the cow, and so they just kind of kept it happening. And then someone <laughs> stole the goat. A dick. I don't even know why he would steal a goat. Um. I find you, goats to be somewhat undesirable, if I'm honest. You um, have a really tall lawn, and you that's true. Need to borrow it. That's for a thing. A but uh, but yeah. So Peaches the goat is a real goat, and he actually <laughs> cheers up Bunter. That's really cute. Which I think is very sweet. And I like the name Bunter. Bunter. <laughs> I just like saying it. Yeah, I I love that cows are basically really big dogs. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> Have you ever seen videos of like cows cuddling people? <laughs> no. There's a really great video of uh, a lady walks in to like maybe kind of like a, a large mud room. It's like not the house proper, mm-hmm. but it's obviously inside the house. Okay. So she walks in and her daughter's in the mud room. And in the mudroom with her is their cow okay. <laughs> laying down and they're like cuddling. And she's like, did you leave the door open for her to come inside again? And she's like, no. <laughs> and she's like, well, you clearly did. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you're not allowed to do that. Right. But the, the cow's just like 
chilling and just like cuddling with her. She's like all curled up to him and hugging him. Just chilling. Just chilling. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of videos of like cows getting comfy and like trying to sit on people or like lay on people. And mm-hmm. it's really cute. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how elephants do. That's nice. I didn't really know elephants did that either. <laughs> I've seen videos of especially like baby elephants mm-hmm. that are like, obviously it's a zoo or something, but they're they're like trying to interact with the person. They'll just like sit down on them and knock them over. That's cute. It's really adorable. It's I like I like big smaller. animals. <laughs> I like big animals not realizing how big they are. Well, it's a good thing we own a horse in this house. Yep. Um, Bo is exactly <laughs> like that. He's so enormous that he'll come up and sit on your head when you're in bed. Mm-hmm. And he's just ridiculous. That's what he likes to do. One time I had him at the dog park and he was playing with a uh, Great Dane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it legit sounded like horses, like stampeding. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> Enormous beasts. Yeah, it was really funny. And he looked he looked medium sized compared to that dog. Well, I got news, Chrissy. You won. I'm so excited. You won um, truth and news. I would like to give a speech. Please do. I would like to thank Doug. Um, I would like to thank my mother and my father mm-hmm. and my brothers. Um, I have, I have no one else to thank. Oh, I'm hearing the music. I'm hearing the music. You gotta I, get off stage. I'm sorry. I don't have a significant I'm other I would like go. to thank. I'm sorry, you gotta get off stage. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now, now you definitely have to get off stage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> anyway, good job guessing truth and news. That one, I good thought, I thought I was going to stump pooping. you. I'm surprised it didn't stump you. I like goats. <laughs> yeah, you I know. like goats that like cows. If I had provided a cuter story. You might have guessed for that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that mm. would have been the way to go. I'll remember that for the future. But uh, in the meanwhile, I guess like we should... Like a therapy chimpkin. Chimpkin? Mm-hmm. What is a chimpkin? Like a chimpkin nugget, but it's a whole chimpkin. Wow. All right. <laughs> a therapy chimpkin. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a break. <laughs> God, now I want chicken nuggets. No, we have tacos. Shit. I want everything. I'm so hungry. Okay. Are anyway, you hungry? <laughs> I am hungry. Um, let's take a break. All right. And uh, we'll come back. This is your episode. <clears throat> it is. Uh, so- <laughs> I've finally gotten off my ass and done some research. <laughs> yeah, we've had an interesting, like we had a huge break and then Matt came in. So we haven't <laughs> done any actual research in a while. So Yes. Uh, we'll be back in a minute with the main segment for this episode, Christy's episode. I'm right. Stick around. Very patriotic. Well, it's yes, it's yes. You're wearing America blanket. I'm wearing America blanket for freedom, for freedom, and for eagles. <laughs> Big ass eagle. <clears throat> because usually America blanket is serving as a wall of sorts, but yeah. it is bit it's <clears throat> down. It is down for the moment uh, as we contemplate how to design a different wall, a new wall made of wall, made of wall. 
Yes. I'm looking forward to that a lot, actually. I think I know how to do it, but I would just like, I'm looking forward to having an actual wall here. Well, I'm glad this came up because my topic today is actually walls. Walls. (laughs) Build that wall. Yes. Um, yeah, all right, what do you got? So, your episode, episode 95. 95. Yeah, what you got? Open this bad boy up. So, this topic, it's kind of funny, because I realize it might just only be interesting to me, and it's like it has no bearing on anything, because it happened in the 90s. Wow, that is funny. (laughs) But it is the rivalry. Of the Dandy Warhols versus the Brian Jonestown Massacre. This is a thing I know almost nothing about. <clears throat> great. You're in for a treat. Although I do like the Dandy Warhols. The Dandy Warhols are great. They are a cool band. The Brian Jonestown Massacre is also great. Mm-hmm, okay. There are reasons you haven't heard of them. Right. But I will get to that. So this episode is a story of a ridiculous musical rivalry between two bands you may not have heard of. (laughs) Wow. So it's kind of like when someone digs real deep into like Twitter and finds some Twitter drama. (laughs) Yeah. Or like you, you are on YouTube and you trip into YouTuber drama. (laughs) Oh, the YouTuber drama. Yeah. Um, There's drugs, diss tracks and death threats. Well, there's actually diss tracks involved. (laughs) Yes. But they're not, God, I associate diss tracks with, like, rap, rap and, like, internet rap in particular. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not as hardcore, <laughs> but just, it exists. Okay. But, and then Dig, and that will, that's literally the name of the documentary that yeah. is about these two bands and their rivalry. It's filmed over the course of seven years, obviously. They started filming it before there was a rivalry. Hmm. Um, This is the early 90s. So they would have had, you know, access to cameras and stuff mm-hmm. a lot cheaper than it would have been in the past. And they were really kind of into themselves. Like Ew. they both bands. Both but bands. they really uh, one in particular, the lead singer of the Brian Jones Town Massacre, Anton Newcomb, okay. had this idea that it was he was starting a musical revolution. And yeah, so man. they they wanted to record this. Okay. Um, and the also, documentary? <clears throat> well, just record them, record what they were doing, because it was going to be important, they felt like. And okay. then later, it got cut together and made into this documentary after gotcha. everything happened. So it, it only became a documentary <clears throat> when, it, when, like, their, there was something to document. their daily video logs <clears throat> became something worth talking about. <laughs> yeah. So okay. um, it is a good documentary. If you can deal with how pretentious it is. Oh, I love it. It I, sounds like cringe. Um, a little bit. It's, I mean, it's a guy, a manic guy looking into a camera and telling you how he's going to basically save the world with music. Oh, it's, no. it, it's some of that and a lot of other things yeah. like people doing coke off a glass table. <laughs> like pretty cool. Like, like legit stereotypical. Like a movie scene and not 
a real documentary. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the schizophrenics <clears throat> of YouTube, like that guy God speaks, where it's like yeah. tons and tons of video content of themselves talking about things that are not of interest to anyone else. Yeah. And it's I born mean, out of some kind of narcissism. Narcissism. There's, there's a lot going on with these people that I, I will get into mm-hmm. in a second here. Um, I will say part of me thinks that some of the things discussed in the documentary, the rivalry, is maybe a little bit overblown and done. The I think the documentary might have been done to benefit both bands. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I, we can discuss that a little more later once you have more context Okay. for why I might say that. So the documentary isn't completely objective. Mm-hmm. It is narrated by Courtney Taylor Taylor, who is the lead singer of the Dandy Warhols. Okay. And I want to talk about the players in this documentary of who's in these bands and everything. So the Brian Jonestown Massacre were founded in San Francisco in 1990. Okay. The lead singer and um, guitarist founding member is Anton Newcomb. <clears throat> he also... Had Matt Hollywood. He was one of the other founding members. He was Matt Hollywood is a guitarist, a singer. He wrote some of the songs. Um, he's now, or he he also founded the Out Crowd, and uh, he's currently in a band called the Rebel Drones. You'll find a lot of people in this documentary, and a lot of the people specifically in Anton Newcomb's orbit went on. To continue to be musicians and mm-hmm. and get signed and do good things, I do really well without him. Yes, yeah. and and also uh, partly that, but partly he was surrounded by a lot of talented people. He himself was very talented, very dysfunctional, and there's a reason he did not take the same path as other people. Did he say where this is happening? <clears throat> so um, their band. Brian Jonestown Massacre was founded in San Francisco. Okay. Um, also, Travis Throwkill and Ricky Renee Maney were other, and uh, Patrick Strazak were the other founding members. When this documentary kind of picks up, the footage that we see, um, not all those people are in it, but Joel Gion is in it. He's the tambourine player. Back in the 90s when you just had a tambourine player. Yeah, right. <clears throat> and honestly, <laughs> I, I don't mention it in my notes later, but I, I do want to point out, like, Joel Gion is fucking hilarious. He's still around doing stuff, and he's been in TV shows, and he has the ability to make fun of himself. Mm-hmm. But also in this documentary, he's fucking funny. Yeah. Like, not is he everyone... Likeable? Yes. He's... He's a little annoying. He's definitely pretentious in the way everyone in this crowd is, mm-hmm. but he's really funny. I gotcha. do find myself really liking Joel Gion. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point he has to like go in to a meeting and meet with like the record producers because they don't trust Anton not to fuck it up. Okay. And so he goes into this meeting and before he goes in, he's like looking at the building and they're filming whoever's filming is filming and he's like ah yes he says something about the building or how nice it is and he's like and i get to go there the gutter boy (laughs) 
And it was just the way he said it was really funny. Like, okay. he's he's a little gutter boy. He's been couch surfing for years. And, like, okay. it doesn't, hasn't even lived in a regular house in years, let alone go to, like, a super nice hotel conference room or So he's a little self-deprecating. Yeah. He's relatable. <laughs> he's, he's really funny. Okay. I like Joel Gian a lot. And there's a lot of other people in, in this documentary that are very likable. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody is. Sure. Uh, Peter Hayes is, um, one of the guitarists who's featured in the documentary. He went on to found Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Uh, Jeff Davies is one of the guitarists. He was kind of in and out of the band. Um, he had really bad drug problems like a lot of people Mm -hmm. in this documentary did. Right. There were like roughly over the cor- entire course of this band's career, and the band is still together, 40 members, and that should tell you something. Okay. Um, they're like a 1960s-esque psychedelic rock band. Right. <clears throat> and there were always a lot of people on stage. At one point, they had like three guitarists, bassist, tambourine player, drummer, and Anton, like a lot of people. Uh-huh. The music is good though. Like it is good. Oh, really? Yeah, I I do like it. He they were doing really cool things with like lots and lots of layering and just the effects they got. It was definitely that psychedelic thing, but it was enjoyable. Okay. Well, um, at least they at least they sounded good. <laughs> it's kind of amazing to me because all the obstacles they had drugs and dysfunction they did manage to make good music and not everyone can say that yeah right which is why it is kind of sad because the brian jonestown massacre which is basically just anton newcomb Mm -hmm. incredible talent like he he has that part of it down gotcha um he's driven and prolific they've recorded 19 albums to date He's very talented, but he's troubled and difficult. He eventually struggled with substance abuse, uh, specifically a lot of things, but heroin was one of the biggest ones. Um, And he did. He wanted a musical revolution. He was definitely in it for the music. He was one of those you-can't-buy-me kind of people. Yeah, right. People with integrity. Yeah. Man. Um, The... The Brian Jonestown Massacre, the name, says it all because Brian Jones yeah. left the Rolling Stones when he felt like they were kind of selling out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jonestown Massacre. Yeah. It's <clears throat> fun. <laughs> so the other part of this story is the Dandy Warhols. They were founded in 1994 in Portland, Oregon. Mm. Um, they feature Courtney Taylor Taylor, who's the lead singer. He plays... now. Everyone in this band kind of, they've been together for so long that they eventually all kind of played everything. And they're one mm-hmm. of those bands that would just like rotate around and sometimes someone would play drums or keys or whatever. Right. Um. So I'm not going to list everything that everyone plays, but just assume that everyone plays everything right. a little bit. Um. So Courtney Taylor Taylor's lead singer, main songwriter and guitarist. Um, there's Peter Holscomb. Um, I don't have written down what he did. Maybe bass. Okay. Zia McCabe, who plays keys. Um, Eric Hedford played drums and did backing vocals. 
1994 until 1998, and then he left the band or was kicked out of the band. Not very clear on that. And mm-hmm. Brent DeBoer t- took over um, on the drums and vocals, and he's been in the band from 1998 through today. He's wow, still in it. 98? <clears throat> mm-hmm. okay. So already you should get a picture of how these bands are different just based on how many members there have been in these bands over the years. <laughs> right, like a group and of people consistent. that stuck it together versus a ever-changing ensemble of people who yes. have been added and removed. Yes. You can kind of picture the band dynamics that might be present in, in bands like that. Yes. I, I will say Anton has kind of a Billy Corgan idea of of music, which is that he is the one who knows how it should be played and he's the one who's going to do it the right way okay. and he's a perfectionist and and basically if he could just someone even says in documentary if he could clone himself and just have five other Anton Newcombs he'd be perfectly happy yeah he just wouldn't he just very difficult to deal with not happy with anyone doing anything that's not perfection in his mind right he's a difficult person gotcha <clears throat> Um, so yeah, less of a rotating cast in the Dandy Warhols. Um, the lead singer, Courtney, is arrogant. Also definitely some of that to put on. He seems kind of insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems easier to work with. Like, the the arrogance thing seems like a front for everybody else. But he doesn't seem arrogant in such a way of like, well, I'm the only one who knows how to make the music. Sure. It's it's like, no, nah, I'm the best ever. <laughs> but like probably to his band, it's a lot more toned down. Yeah, right. Um, they all seem to get along really well. And they've been together a very long time. They're still together. They seem like a family. They're still together? Both of these bands are still together. Really? Yes. Wow. And still making music and all That's that. That's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Especially considering this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, they're also psychedelic rock. They're a little bit poppier and and they ended up, I'll talk a little more in a little bit Mm -hmm. about their trajectory, but they went a little mainstream a little faster. When I think about the Dandy Warhols, I don't think of them as a psychedelic band. No. I think of the music of theirs, which I know, which was in fact much poppier. Yes, they they definitely got poppier and some of that was the influence of... Of being signed and needing to try to make money, it's still really good music. I love the Dandy Warhols. Yeah, it's 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 the fight you have with the label because I, they want you for something and you want to do something else, right? And I I feel like the Dandy Warhols is or becomes over the years more mature and they adjust better. They definitely did their share of like partying and mm-hmm. and drugs and everything, but once they were signed and told you had to make an album. They made an album. Like sure. once, once there were things they had to do, they did those things. Yeah, they did the work when it was time. Um, at one point, Courtney Taylor Taylor makes a joke that they're the the best adjusted band that's ever existed because all of them came from complete households. Like none of their parents were divorced. Like weird. They they all had like ridiculously <laughs> good childhoods. He's like it's super we're super well adjusted, super fucking weird for a band. That that strikes me as odd. Unheard of. Yeah. 
Um, at least at the time of the documentary, that was the case. Who supposed, knows? You're supposed to start a band because you hate your parents. And you- right. You're torturing them <laughs> right. by playing music in the yeah. garage. Yeah. I um, do this to piss you off. But <laughs> and later on, one of the band members says that um, th- even their managers and stuff were surprised by the fact that each of them had the trifecta. They were like had steady relationships mm-hmm. and a car and a house, and they were able to maintain all those. That's the thing and you're supposed to have after you've slogged it out for a right. long time. But but the manager was like, usually people have one or two, not all three. And every <laughs> member of the band was like on it, which is basically goes back to that well-adjusted thing. They handled this in a way that not everyone can handle it. And I, I think it's difficult to do. And that might have changed too. I'm sure some of that's changed. Yeah. They might have gotten a different car. They all lost their houses at once and they moved <clears throat> into an igloo. Oh. Sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> they drive a cloud car to different all jobs. Right. Oh, that'd be really handy for all the equipment. A clown car? Yeah. <laughs> you could fit so much in there. Yeah. Um, and really good for parking and cities. They're bigger on the inside. You know exactly. You, it's like yeah. a TARDIS. <laughs> um, so the bands meet. Um, I, I think at one point the Dandy Warhols were handed like an <laughs> album of Brian Jonestown Massacre. And we're like, oh, my God, these guys are awesome. And then they played a show in San Francisco. And in walks these two guys wearing like leather jackets looking impossibly cool and they're like, oh, shit. And that was Anton Newcomb. Sure. And I think maybe Joel Gion. <clears throat> okay. So that they end up talking to them after the show and hanging out and partying and just becoming instant friends and realize that they're they're doing the same thing and they have a lot in common and they get along really well. And they spend a lot of times together. A lot of times together. They spend a lot of time together. They want to do this musical revolution together. Sure. Lots of drugs. Um, Hell yeah. Lots and lots of drugs. Hey, that's, There's, you know, San Francisco music scene, psychedelic, <clears throat> like every part of that points at yeah. drugs. Yeah. Um. So, so Courtney and Anton, it's like they're inspired by each other and fueled by each other, but also there's definitely competitive thing going on. That's healthy, right? I mean, to some I, extent, I think it's healthy yeah. to like your your friends to also, on some level, if there's a little <laughs> challenge you a little bit. Yeah, you push each other farther. I mean, if you have that, it's not necessarily unhealthy. I I think. I think, in, well, in the documentary, pe- some people said that they think Courtney wants to be Anton in mm. some ways because Anton undeniably has all of this soul King, and this talent and just like he can just breathe and make an album like okay. prolific. And it's always it's good. Okay. Like it's actually good. So he really is that good. Anton's really good. Okay, this is something that the little I knew about this band and uh, the little I knew about what you were going to talk about, I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that he might actually, underneath it all, be the real deal. They weren't unsuccessful because they weren't good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other reasons why that didn't happen that I talk about. But But he is that good. He's good. I mean, he... 
I guess you could make 19 albums and suck. <laughs> you you could. Lots of people have. True. But yeah, usually people end up finding out that they suck and maybe slow down. Mm. But no, he he's good, but he's like um he's fueled maybe by a little mania and obviously by drugs at some point and uh he he had that down. He had the talent and the drive. And Courtney had still talented. Like I'd still say he's still talented, but maybe not in the same way. Mm-hmm. And and just a little bit more together mm-hmm. and 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 doing things a slightly different way than Anton that I think Anton wanted too. Mm-hmm. They both kind of wanted to be each other a little bit. Okay. Um so so that fueled things <clears throat> a little bit. So when so Anton kind of takes the Dandy Warhols under his wing, that whole music revolution thing. Um, and then eventually, this is where things start to rev up. So in 1997, the Dandy Warhols are signed to Capitol. Um, they had, it was not smooth sailing. So a thing that was happening at this point in time, this is like the beginning of like music pirating and oh, the nineties, yeah. yeah, record labels trying to adjust and not doing a very good job and yeah. and and trying to adjust by signing alternative people that they never would have touched before, yeah, but then trying expecting to make money off them right away like i I don't know exactly what they expected no yeah there's a huge like so i do know enough about this to know that like back in like the 70s or whatever (laughs) they'd sign you and they'd like give you like a six album deal and you know hope that by the time album six turned around you really did something (laughs) but they were like really experimental in the 90s trying to find something trying to find lightning in a bottle and <laughs> yeah. not and not being happy if it didn't happen quick. Yes. So you might get signed and you might get fucking dumped. Yeah. So you know, you weren't as perfect as you were expected to be. So they get signed and they have to make an album. So they make an album and they get told there are no songs on this album. There are no songs? Yes, basically all the music they made none of it's a song. That's a really weird <clears throat> criticism. So they have to remake the album. And Courtney Taylor Taylor does not take kindly to that. Is fucking pissed off. Gets yeah. into an argument with the A&R guy and everything. And is like, hey, like you guys are it's talentless schmucks. You're between the two of you. How many songs have you written? Right. None. Okay. I fucking sneeze and hit and a hit comes out. He says that. <laughs> he it's does. A famous. It's a famous Courtney Taylor Taylor thing. I sneeze and a hit comes out. That's funny. This A and R guy comes back to him and <clears> says <throat> something along the lines of, "Then I'm sure Capital won't mind funding your handkerchief collection." Basically, you're gonna be. S- Sneezing a lot? I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, do, buddy. Do what you need to do to make the hits. We're going to make sure you never stop sneezing. So they they rework the album. They come out with it, and their first single is a song called Not If You Were the Last Junkie on Earth. Have you heard this song? It features the the chorus. No. It's first, it features the line, heroin is so passe. I never thought you'd be a junkie because heroin is so passe. No. Hey, hey, hey. Nope. So 
<clears throat> this is a little bit, feels a little bit targeted towards Brian Jonestown Massacre. Um, maybe okay. they didn't intend it that way. But weren't they all doing heroin? They were all doing drugs. They weren't all doing heroin. Okay, so there's enough. And yeah. and I still think that there was a little bit, from the way the documentary is, it feels like the Dandy Warhols very much had this, like, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to have fun and we're going to be like you, but, like, we're not like that. We're better than that. Oh, really? I, it, I get that vibe from it, Wait, which is okay. shitty. So the impression that uh, what's the name from the Brian Jonestown Massacre has is that he's taking them under his wing. And the impression that the Dandy Warhols have is that <laughs> we're hanging out. But like, you know, we're not all the way in with you guys. I I can't say for sure, but I feel like maybe at least they were they were on board. And then once they were like getting signed and stuff, it was right. a little bit of like, Back away a little oh, bit. we're we're like. Our, our balloon is we're, taken up. We're out of the squalor. We're out of the, like, hanging out in a house and just doing drugs and writing songs. Like, I get it. we've made it. Our our flight <laughs> is leaving, and you're yes. not on it. Yes. So um, that kind of felt like a dig. Yeah. And Dig. <laughs> dig. <laughs> and um, they didn't, like, love that. Yeah. But they were still friends and everything. Mm -hmm. So... Um, then there's they do a music video for it, and it's super expensive. I don't know if you know who David LaChapelle is. No, I don't. He's a famous fashion photographer and videographer. Okay. Um, they hired David LaChapelle to do this music video. Okay. I want to say they spent like $100,000 on it. That seems like a lot, but I, I don't know <laughs> the average budget of a music video. Th let's just say the album hasn't even come out yet or has just come out. They haven't made any money off of them yet, and they're putting down a hundred thousand grand on this music video by by like a really famous videographer. I think it's also made worse by the fact that if this is the <laughs> end of the '90s, then this is like right around the time no one gives a shit about music videos anymore because those yeah. used to sell albums. Yeah, MTV was like. You could watch a video and then you would immediately go to the record store the next day and be like, I want that album. Yeah. So and that didn't happen in the 90s anymore. And and on top of that, the Dandy Warhols weren't really and especially Courtney Taylor Taylor weren't really happy with how the video turned out. Mm -hmm. And they spent all this money on it and were just like frustrated. Meanwhile, Brian Jonestown Massacre is over here cranking out like three albums in a year. <laughs> and not getting paid to do it. <clears throat> right. They write a new song, and I think maybe one of the new albums is even named this, but they call it Not If You Were the Last Dandy on Earth, which is a, a uh, hit well, back at... Yeah, the uh, the glove slap and the and the, the retort. Yeah, it's a return back to Not If You Were the Last Junkie on Earth. Well, that means there's a duel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and basically, if you look at the lyrics to this song, they're very simple, but... Essentially, it's about selling out. Mm. It, it comes down to being like, oh, hey, I think one of the lines is like, take my sister, I don't mind. It's one of those like, yeah, whatever, do oh, what like, you got to do to make me. sacred to me. Right. Wow. Um, So there's some tension. Definitely a little bit of tension. Um, and in Brian Jonestown Massacre, there's tension within the band, too. Uh, specifically... Between Matt Hollywood, one of the guitarists and founding members. Wow, what a great name. 
<laughs> yeah. And I wonder if it's his real name. I bet he was born <laughs> with that name. <laughs> and Anton. And basically, um, Matt Hollywood was a really good musician and songwriter, too. And he, he did do some songwriting and singing with Brian Jones' Hell Massacre. And saved their asses at times when Anton couldn't fucking pull it together. Okay. But Anton very rarely wanted to share and give people credit and and kind of treated him like a sidekick and not like he was on the same level. And in the documentary, you see a lot of like Mad Hollywood bitching about Anton and how he just like can't get his shit together <clears throat> or bitching about or like basically standing up for himself and telling Anton he's being a dick or telling Anton like, it's not cool that you can't apologize when you fuck up and you never try to make anything make yourself better. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you see a lot of that from Matt Hollywood and mm-hmm. it's, I look at that and I see someone who's incredibly frustrated and has been for years. Yeah. He's like, on the one hand, this is great because the music is amazing it's a great experience when it's a great experience, mm-hmm. but God, is it fucking pulling teeth to be around this person? <clears throat> so you see a lot of that, not just him, other band members too, expressing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, like everyone's frustrated in this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Um, so at one point, Brian Jones and Massacre throws a rager. Mm-hmm. Huge party. And Dandy Warhols were invited to it, but they didn't go because they were at a party that David LaChapelle was throwing, that famous photographer. So they were too busy hobnobbing with him to go to this party with their friends. We had a better party. Um, Oh, God. Do you know the actor's name, the actor who plays the dad in Pretty in Pink? I can't even remember who he is. <sighs> I bet if I saw his face, I'd have a chance at it, but I don't remember who well, he is. he was at um, the Brian Jonestown Massacre party. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, they apparently is a big party. <laughs> um, I'm just surprised. I don't know. I didn't realize they were that kind of big. Yeah, apparently. To pull in actors, too. <laughs> So, so they have this huge party and dandies can't go, but they have this idea. They're like, you know what? We're going to have a photo shoot and we're going to have a photo shoot at their fucking house the day after their party that we didn't go to. So they go. Why? That just seems um, nasty to just. Right. Okay. So. They decide to do that. So they walk in their house and start it's, taking pictures. It's probably a big fucking mess, too. It's a fucking mess. Oh, There's people God. sleeping. It's like, so so they go and they do this. And and there's, like, discussion about, like, okay, well, why why are you doing that? Like, you're just making us look like assholes. Or, like, then if we ever want to take pictures in our own damn house, mm-hmm. we're going to look like we're ripping you off. Like That's insane to do that to someone. And there's a little <laughs> bit of this, like, 
taking it back, walking it back a little bit thing where Courtney Taylor Taylor is explaining what their whole idea was. He's like, no, no, we're going to make it like, no, every Saturday we go out and we hang out at another musician's, another band's house. And this time it's Brian Jonestown Massacre. That's stupid and a lie. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it it seems like they they just like they're poking each other already. Like they're poking each other back and forth. Yeah. Um nice. So So Brian Johnson Massacre, for as crazy as they are, they are courted by labels a lot. Like their labels are really interested in them. Okay. They're they're getting label attention. They're just not biting. Well, the problem is in order to see if a person, if a band is someone you want to sign, you listen to their album, but then you also go to their show. Mm-hmm. And when they go to the live show, that's where it all fucking falls apart. Because okay. Anton can't hold it together. Anton can't keep himself from uh, correcting people on stage if they fuck up mm-hmm. or having a meltdown for no apparent reason or self-sabotaging. Because something good is going to happen. God, just mental illness. A lot. A lot of stuff. And I feel for him. Because where the Dandy Warhols were well-adjusted and had perfect nuclear families. And and kind of nasty in their own ways. Right. Um, Anton did not have that. He was homeless for quite a while. He did not have a supportive family. A lot of troubled stuff that went on. Mm Mm-hmm. Shitty situation. Right. So, uh, understandable reasons why he would maybe act the way he does sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's no way for me to tell if there was any actual him trying to work on himself. But it didn't really seem like there was. It seemed like it was all fueled into making this music. And that's great. But if you're not actually improving yourself... You get wrapped up in the same patterns that you always have and things fall apart. Right. And that's what happens over and over again is labels are interested and our people are looking and then they're trying to convince their bosses to let them sign them mm-hmm. and they set up a show specifically so they can convince their boss to give them a contract. Okay. So at this particular show... Excuse me. <laughs> it went totally off the rails. Oh, no. Um, <clears throat> this is essentially their big break. This is their chance, is what it sounds like. This is one of their chances. What, what are their big this ones? This is, maybe? like, probably the first biggest. Yeah. Um. Someone messes up. Anton kicks him in the leg mm-hmm. while they're playing. Um. Then That's insane, right? <clears throat> then someone talks back to him. And they start arguing, and he kicks him off the stage. He says, not on my fucking stage. Then someone else, um, <clears throat> Joel Gion is playing uh, playing his instrument. It's not a tambourine, but playing something. Yeah. And Anton didn't like what he was doing or didn't like what he was saying and tells him to get off too. And then he, like, kicks someone else or does something else, and someone else is like, no fuck it and jumps on him and now they're laying on the stage having a fight (laughs) people are jumping off the stage like trying to get out of the fray it's insane this is all on video this is in the documentary right so this happens 
this is their chance, and Anton self-sabotages. And that's okay if it's just Anton, but he sabotages the whole band. Yeah, a lot of people are also, it's not, it's not just him. It's not just him. Lots of people and their opportunity to do something big. So then, so at the end of all this, he, everyone's like rolling around and fighting and then the curtain is closing and Joel Gian is kind of stuck outside of the curtain looking lost with this his thing. hands in this weird limp dangly position. There's... It's so fucking funny. It's actually impossible to describe. You showed me this. You need to just see it. It's actually impossible to describe. Okay, you it's need like to see it. Just little limp hands trying to do a little limp hand dance because he doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> it's like he's a puppet. <clears throat> yeah. He's a little puppet boy. And the person who's marionetting him, the puppeteer... <laughs> Is is moving him around but not doing anything with the hands. He's right. just physically rotating the body and the hands are just flapping around after him. That's what it looks like. Very so, awkward. I, watching the real thing is great. I also suggest, because I'm a fan of the show Gilmore Girls, yeah. and they are a fan of Brian Jonestown Massacre, the writers of that show. <laughs> they make multiple references to the documentary dig throughout that show. Yeah. At one point, they compare someone's two babies to one is the Dandy Warhols and one is the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Okay. Um, but they have Joel Gion on the show. Yeah. And they essentially reenact this fight right down to Joel Gion being trapped out of, of the stage in front of the curtain with that weird little limp yeah. wrist dance thing. And it's so funny... And I really appreciate that he did that, mm -hmm. that he could go on the show and be like, oh, yeah, that was fucking ridiculous. That was a thing I did in my 20s. And that was like real crazy. Well, he also has the luxury of not being the most <laughs> fucked up member of that band. True. You know, true. So um, obviously they fucked up their chance yeah. to get a contract that time, at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this fight. Produces one of the first great Anton Newcomb quotes. Okay. Which is afterwards, he's like sitting out somewhere outside, like kind of recovering from everything, and and he goes, "They they broke my fucking sitar," which just great. It's something no one has ever said before. I feel right. Like. And then they're like, "Are <laughs> are you okay?" He's like, "Yeah." They're like, "Well, you have blood on you. Is that blood?" And he's like. Yeah, they're like, oh, is it yours? He's like, it's from people's faces. <laughs> and I just really like that. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you say when you don't have anything clever to say. <sighs> yeah. You're just like, yeah, yeah, you know, I make, uh, I can get blood all over the place. It's from people's faces. It's like a macho <laughs> thing. You're next. Um, So I'm a little iffy on the timeline because I didn't write things down exactly as I was watching the documentary, but... At some point, they get some money advanced to them from, like, a smaller independent record label to make some albums and to go on tour. Mm, and, okay. and one of the things was to pay for house for them so they can live there and record and all that stuff. So okay. they get this house, and then they decide to go on tour. <clears throat> and I... 
it's a shit show. Okay. They can't living there is a shit show. No, going on tour is a shit show. Oh. They they can't get it together. Um, it's like a time bomb every night, mm-hmm. and they finally get to the south, and they get to Georgia, Joji. and Joji, Joji baby. babies, and they don't even get to play their first show in Georgia before they get pulled over by the police, and Anton tries to talk them. Like, smooth talk a little bit. He's doing that thing where he's being, like, overly helpful, overly nice. Says they could search the car and blah. Well, that's not a good idea to do when you actually do have drugs in the car. Oh, they had no idea because they're from San Francisco. The Georgia will fuck you up on this. So they go to jail. Yeah. (laughs) And gets out after a few days. They didn't know what America was like. (laughs) Yeah. So... That's like, that's that's the end of the tour. Yeah, that's where it stopped. I imagine. Um. So meanwhile, Dandy Warhols at this point in time, things still aren't doing great. They're they're trying and just like nothing is working. They're not gaining the momentum everyone thought they would gain. Mm-hmm. They're frustrated because they feel like the record label is giving up on them and isn't helping them. Right and doesn't understand their vision for their music and it's just fr- everyone's frustrated. Right. Um also they have have told Capital like hey you should sign the Brian Jonestown Massacre. They're really great. Their music's like awesome. You should sign them. They would give you hits like mm-hmm. So eventually this ANR guy comes on. He's like a newer younger guy. And he hears their music and he's like obsessed. And he's like, I need Anton Newcomb to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And he he gets in contact with them and he's like, we have to sign this guy. Okay. So his mistake, he's a little little wet behind the ears. He's new. This this will be the first. It's a really great expression. (laughs) First band he ever signs. A little wet behind the ears. He's a a newborn who's in charge of ADAR. He's uh, a newborn. (laughs) <laughs> that's right on five That's right on five yeah, The real that's problem right is he can't get the tie tight enough to make it look like uh, you know, it's, it's Boss a, baby Yeah, there's no tie small enough to make <laughs> it look like he's really in charge So uh, he's a, little, yeah. a little binky Little binky <laughs> The binky has a tie on it Oh, okay, yeah <laughs> And that tie has headphones on <laughs> So he's Um He's basically obsessed with them and it's like this is talent. Like this business shouldn't be that hot that hard to do. Yeah. Give contracts to the people who are making good music and just appreciate that they're making good music and let them do that thing. Mm-hmm. Which is great. That's not how it works though, at least not at that point in time. So he also makes a mistake which is not understanding that if you don't have a band that can tour without blowing things to hell, mm-hmm. it that's a lot of your money mm-hmm. is like selling out shows. And mm-hmm. if you can't make it through a show, your guys can't make it through a show without beating the shit out of each other and firing the whole band and having to rehire them. Mm-hmm. You aren't going to make money off of them. Right. And he doesn't think about that. So he somehow convinces his bosses to sign uh, 
Brian Jones had a massacre. Right. And they know that Anton's going to fuck this up. I He already kind of, like, fucked it up once before. And mm-hmm. so they're like, second chance. Okay, like, we're sending Joel. Right. And we're, they basically tell this lie that um, Anton has an ear infection and he can't make it. <clears throat> okay. So Joel's here in his place. And Joel charms them and they sign and it's great. And then Anton talks to them over the phone and is like so grateful and I'm going to give you so many hits, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So they decide, which is actually a smart decision because it's what Anton would be preferring to do anyway. It's just recording music all the time. So yeah. instead of trying to get these guys to go into a studio and, and do it the typical way, they say, let's put this budget up front to build Anton a studio. Yeah. So he can just make this music in his house and do the thing he's going to be doing anyways and just make us a bunch of hit albums. That's a pretty great idea. Actually. It's a really good idea. And send the rest of the band around to perform it, right? <laughs> well, I mean, eventually to they would tour and do shows. But wow. to get their first album out, instead of like putting the pressure on them and telling them to go into a studio, mm-hmm. they're like, here's, here's your end date. Make an album. Here's all the stuff you need to make it. Okay. Um... So they are trying to do that, but at this point in time, Anton's on heroin and he can't really get it together. Mm-hmm. So they bring in a producer to help. Um, and Matt Hollywood kind of saves the fucking day and, and writes a bunch of songs for it. Mm-hmm. And they end up doing it and it was good, but it like Anton's a mess. Um, also, there's a scene mixed in in here where he's like, the Dandy Warhols are doing their thing, and whatever. And he's like, oh, we're going to show everyone. Everyone's kind of given up on us or frustrated. We're going to do this really cool photo shoot, blah, blah, blah. Like, get everyone you know. Tell everyone you know they're going to be in this video and blah. And one of the, this, the second good Anton quotes is, um, okay, where is it at? Tell them to wear white and come when I call. And I'm like, God, that sounds crazy. (laughs) Okay. Tell them to wear white and to come when I call. Meaning like all the people they tell to be in this video. It really kind of sounds like something the Old Testament God would say. (laughs) Right. Right. It's insane. (laughs) It's like weird instructions. strangers at your beck and call. Weird instructions coupled with, you'll know when I send for you. Right. So then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do this video, and they're just, like, a bunch of people on, like, a, a grassy cliff or grassy knoll kind of thing wearing white and, like, frolicking about or whatever, mm-hmm. filming this. And someone, some local is talking to one of the people who's involved and is like, are you guys, like, a band or something or are you a cult? And she, like, thinks about it for a second and goes, oh. you know, I really can't answer that for you. I I don't know. <laughs> can't even tell you. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, which I thought was really, really funny. It sounds like a band, but it feels like <laughs> a cult. it feels like a cult. He did just say, <laughs> wear white and come when I call. So, <laughs> um, Right. So Dandy Warhols end up going on tour. Things are picking up. They go to Europe, and Europe fucking loves them because Europe has better taste in music. Also keep in mind, this is like pop music, boy bound. Boy band phase 
boy yeah. bound. <laughs> boy it's band. a boy bound boy band phase. Ooh. And um, no, this is the states exciting. are super into like Backstreet Boys right now, yeah. and then you have the Dandy Warhols who are singing songs with lyrics like "Never thought you'd be a junkie" because heroin is so passe. Yeah, right. And talking about like doing tranquilizers and Whoa, shit, a like too heavy. <laughs> Yeah, just not what America was into at the time. Like uh, like horse-sized <clears throat> pills, like that song, Horse-sized Pills. Yeah. Just big, fat, thick tranquilizer pills. Yes. Yeah. So, a little bit too... Uh, oh, that song's cool, though. It is. Oh. So um, Europe loves them. Now they... They get caught with pot in France. And so they get in trouble for this, but basically the trouble they get in is you can't have this, and they get a warning so and French, get let go. The French don't care that much about weed, right? Uh, they have it on camera, and they seem to care right. wherever they were. But they don't, like, throw <laughs> you in jail. They seemed like they would. They weren't with this, but uh, I don't know uh, anything about their feelings on pot or whatever, but <laughs> it they were the th- authorities weren't happy with them. Mm-hmm. They get out of it. Okay. Um, and, and they even themselves, the Dandy Warhols are like, we're a lucky band. And Brian Jones Sound Massacre is an unlucky band. Mm-hmm. Like they go to Georgia and they get busted with pot and they, it ends a lot of things for them. They get thrown in jail and then it ends their tour and mm-hmm. shit's really bad. We go to another country and get busted with pot and nothing happens and we get to keep the pot. Like, <laughs> like right after the cop leave, the uh, the police leave, they're doing the pot again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, doing the pot, doing the pot. They're doing the pot, the marijuana. They injected all the marijuana. They injected it all right there. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so then. They're, so Brian Jones Home Massacre has this album and they're trying to like pick up steam and and increase their career and everything. And so they start stirring up shit. Oh. Um, it's a desperation move. He like starts saying shit about the dandy world, like dragging them in interviews and stuff, but hasn't said anything to them. So then... They're like, okay. Like, I thought, yeah, we've had our issues, but we were friends. Like, didn't know what the problem is. Well, it turns out, basically, he's like, no, nah, I'm just trying to make a rivalry. Like, an Oasis blur kind of thing. Right. But a he fake didn't, rivalry. He didn't let them in on it. <laughs> so a fake rivalry kind of becomes a real rivalry. And yeah, he, am, he, de- he delivers this weird threatening package to them. And it says stuff like kind of death threat kind of things and and it gets really weird and they're I can't tell if they're actually freaked out by it or not. And this is the point in the documentary where I go, this all just might be for show. Fabricated. So they can all benefit from putting a documentary out. And and getting a little bit of recognition. Artificial drama benefits <laughs> everybody in the in the media age. It doesn't but matter if I don't if know. I don't know if that's the case guys. or not. But right. But if it was, it would benefit everybody. Right. Um. So then, it, Anton's playing a show. 
At, at, oh, at some point, so he was on tour again with his band during this time of like trying to stir up the rivalry and make money. And at one of the shows, he decides to play this song and just start playing it and singing it. And it's a song Matt Hollywood wrote and that he normally sings. Oh. And he just starts doing it and it, it's disrespectful. And Matt Hollywood fucking breaks. He's like, fuck this shit. Is he around for this? Is he still he's, in the He's band? in the band at this okay, point. Gotcha. He's on tour. And he's like, I don't fucking need this shit. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. This is my song. I do it every time. And the only reason for him to do this is to be a dickhole. Like, yeah. why? To take something from me. Cause right. Because it, it's good. <clears throat> so he quits the band that night. He Fair enough. He's out. Um, and it's understandable. So basically Anton has to get another band, get more people to come in again. Mm -hmm. And so there's some downtime after it falls apart. He rebuilds it back up. He's starting to tour again. This guy's a Phoenix. He's just constantly burning it down Mm -hmm. himself though. And then rebirthing himself over and over again. Sabotaging his own band. Uh-huh. And then crawling out of the wreckage and doing another band. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta so, give it to him. So he's he's playing this show, and then he has an ex-girlfriend, but he refers to her as his sister, but is his ex, ex-girlfriend. Weird. Um, come up and play a song. So he's off to the side. She's playing the song. And someone in the audience yells, oh, no, I missed a good... The first part of this, before he has her come on stage and do her thing, um, someone throws fruit at Anton. They throw fruit onto the stage. What fruit? At Anton. I don't know. I couldn't see in the Mm. documentary, and he just refers to it as fruit. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a tomato and he was calling it a fruit. Oh. Because tomato is a fruit. Like to be a very specific (laughs) and correct asshole. Right. I don't know if it was or not. I, I couldn't tell. But they throw fruit at him, and... (laughs) <laughs> this brings me to another great Anton line. So he's pissed off because whoever threw their fruit is now like hiding out of view. He could like see their hand, but not who it was. Yeah. So he's like yelling into the mic. He's like, don't hide in the back and throw fruit while we're playing music. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not a threat. You shouldn't need to be told not to also, throw fruit at people. Yes, it was, it was a great line. Um, and then it, things calm down a little bit. He has her come on and play and introduce her as a sister. And someone in the audience says, fuck your brother, you rock. Um, oh. Meaning like, fuck him, you're awesome. Yeah, wow. But Anton kind of takes it as like grosser than that, I guess, and takes it the wrong way and... And is pissed that they're being assholes. He's like, don't yell at her. Don't talk to her like that when she's playing. It's not the way you talk to a woman who's trying to entertain you and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, it escalates. And then he kicks an audience member in the head. Oh, my God. Um, And gets arrested for assault with a deadly weapon because your legs apparently are considered deadly weapons because they're pretty fucking powerful. Yeah, kicking someone directly in the head. Yeah. Can. And you hear the guy go, he kicked me in the fucking head. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> insane. Oh my god! So, yeah, that's, you can really hurt or probably kill somebody. Also, going on at this time, Anton just had a son, so he keeps talking this whole show about like everyone chill the fuck out. Let me play music for you so I can get the fuck out of here and meet my son. Like that's all oh, I want to do. That that night. Yes, and then he fucks up and kicks someone in the head, goes to jail, and what oh my they. God. They say, <clears throat> this is the end of the documentary, basically, but, you know, sometimes they put, like, text up to, like, give a little update. <laughs> they do that and say that he got out after, like, yeah. three days. Right. But he was not allowed to see a son. Like, whoever the mother was did not after let him see a son. After the events of this documentary, a guy had to put an ice pack on his head. <laughs> so, um... He, I think he eventually was allowed contact with the song, whose whose name is Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it was very again Anton sabotaging himself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> crazy. Both bands are still together. I I read a recent ish article like from a few years ago. It seems like Anton is clean. Um, at That's least nice. as of that article, still playing music. Um, Joel Gian seems to be playing with him again. Matt Hollywood plays with him a little bit again. Wow. So these people who were like big players in this and, you know, struggled a lot. Um, they, they came back later. They're still friends. Um, in this article, he said he still talks to Courtney Taylor Taylor, which is one of the reasons that I kind of feel like. Maybe it was a little overblown for the sake of the documentary. There yeah. wasn't really as much love lost as they made it seem. Yeah. Um, they do seem to be in contact occasionally. Yeah. They, like no hard feelings kind of a thing. And it seems like it's like two decades <clears throat> ago. So right. even if it was very You serious. guys got out of it what you needed to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but that is the story of the rivalry between the Dandy Warhols and the <laughs> Brian Jonestown Massacre. I had no idea there was a rivalry at all. Yeah. Most bands no one don't knows have they rivals. Exist. <laughs> right? Like most yeah. bands do not have a rivalry. Not often. Not often. They're, if they do, they're superficial and they're out, set up by people outside the band as if like right. who's better mm-hmm. and the bands don't really care. But like th- this is one of the few times I've heard of a rivalry like this. Yeah, and possibly fabricated yeah. from the bands themselves, but not manipulated by outside sources. Just them. Um, I hope you enjoyed hearing about that. Yeah. It's kind of a crazy story with lots of drugs and dysfunction. And I I hope Anton <laughs> Newcomb's okay. Yeah, like, I, just, probably, I hope he's fine. okay. It sounds like he's doing all right. Yeah, it seems like I it. I don't worry about him too much. Yeah. And the thing is, he didn't disappear. Yeah. None of these people just disappeared after this. They still kept chugging along and doing shit. Right. And he's still playing under the band name, the Brian Jonestown Massacre. You never fucking hear about it, but they're still recording. The thing is, I've heard the band name. And he's produced, too. He's gone on to produce other people as well. I think that's probably more of what he's done than than his own music since he tried a lot and that didn't work, but... I feel like I'll need to check out their music. I think you would like them. I think you'd like them a lot. Um... Their music, both of them, their music is good. It's good. It's just like 
two I, underground bands that like kind of get a little bit of fame and like go mm-hmm. insane. Which, I've not listened to the Dandy Warhol since like 2008. Oh God, where what trip was it? I feel like I took a Walkman CD player with me <laughs> on a trip to New York City, and I listened to the Dandy Warhols on um, that trip. How many trips to New York City could you be thinking of? <clears throat> Got to be like one, right? Two. I've been there twice. Right. It was my first trip to New York City. But not the one with me. Not the one with you. Right. Because I did not have to take a Walkman with me. Right. That's what I mean. Right. It's gotta, that's got to narrow it down. Right. Oh, no, no. I, it was never a question of which trip it was. Mm. It was a question of, did I really bring a Walkman? And oh. the, the question is answered because, yeah, I definitely remember bringing a Walkman. Um. Yeah, I I was also trying to remember if it was the trip to New York or a trip to somewhere else. But I remember mm. being like on a bus and listening to the Dandy Warhols. Yeah, I dig it. And it was great. Dig. It was great drive, <laughs> drive music. Dig. Dig. <laughs> That's the way they say it. I just picture the fucking pretentious shit. <clears throat> just yeah, man. Dig. The, the thing dig. is, the thing is, I feel bad because like I have said and probably will continue to say that. In we've context. we've both had our our yeah. um, moments of being pretentious assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I think there's something really about the delivery on that. Yeah, dig. Maybe it's because I love Joel Gion now, but I he's the one that I hear say it the most in the documentary. And I feel like there's an element of humor involved in it when he says it. Like I don't know. I, I don't you're know. trying to suggest he's saying it ironically almost. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. No way. Not a I chance. I don't know. Not a chance. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. It That's honestly, the, if yeah. you can get past all of the like the pretentious mm-hmm. shit. And just, like, enjoy it for what it is, a little, like, time capsule of these two bands you probably didn't hear about before this. Right. Um, it's really good. It's a fun watch. It's not very long. I You can find it on, on YouTube for free. That's where I watched it because you can't find it anywhere else. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, that's that. Well, thanks for that. That was interesting. That was a <laughs> cool subject. I never really... Really, uh, I had no idea there was so much story to that band. Yeah. Or those bands, I should say. Um, I I forget. Uh, you know, I feel like I probably heard about this from our friend Katie Hickman. I feel okay. like she's probably the one who introduced me to this. Okay. Because um, it's up her alley. But I can't quite remember for sure. But yeah, good times. Um, well, then why don't we wrap this guy up? Because it's getting late and I want nachos. All right. Um, thank you for that topic. That was interesting. It was, uh, a very, like I said, completely unexpected. Fern, fern. Fern, fern. Uh, we'll be back next week, probably, I think, <laughs> with another episode of Goose Chase. That's the idea. Goose Chase. <laughs> Uh, I have to wait till you do that or this episode can never end. Uh, so we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Continue to send us your suggestions and ideas and we will, uh, be back with you again for another episode very soon. All right. right, Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase pod. 
And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 